Welcome back to the Jag Bros. A really disappointing game on Sunday with the Jaguars losing 27-31 to 31 to the Browns on the road. I'm one of your hosts, JT Raymond, alongside my two brothers, Jack and Joey. We're all three lifelong Jaguars fans. Grew up in Jacksonville, going to games all the time. We live in separate cities now. Um, but the love for the Jaguars unites us. And boys, another frustrating game from our team on Sunday afternoon. Tell me about it. I mean, the the game was ours to win if we just don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Four turnovers is just unacceptable. 100%. Felt like we lost this game in all three phases, back-to-back losses. And the big headline is back-to-back losses against backup quarterbacks. I am sick and tired of Jake Browning going off on us. Joe Flacco, 38-year-old, sitting on his couch, comebacks and tears us apart. Yeah, pathetic loss, reeling, and now we've got to go play the hottest team or one of the hottest teams perhaps in the whole NFL on Sunday. Yeah, the, the quote of the day for sure was when the announcer said, Wow, three weeks ago, Joe Flacco was watching games on his couch with his parents. Now he's winning games in the NFL. Ah, it's just painful. So really a lot to break down today on both the offense and defensive side of the ball. We'll start with some game balls, which I don't really know if there's a whole lot of worthy game balls out there, but we'll discuss that. We'll we'll also discuss um, who to blame more, the offense, the defense, is it fixable? We'll dive into those things as well as our usual breakdown on both sides of the ball. But Joey, take us away. Where where do we go with the game balls? Yes. Uh, First off, we're going to start off with game balls on the defense. Now, the defense started off slow, but they did slowly start to pick it up towards the second half, uh, started to get some turnovers like the old Jaguars defense was at the beginning of the season, and uh, honestly played a lot harder in the second half. I saw a lot more effort, a lot more hard-hitting tackles instead of the lazy kind of arm tackles that we were pulling for the last few games and at the beginning of this game. So I am going to go ahead and give my game ball for defense to the shining rookie Antonio Johnson, who had a strip sack and played uh, nickel corner very well, uh, switching out with Gregory Jr. And he was definitely a bright spot on the defense, looking really good. He came after Joe Flacco with some speed that I haven't seen on the Jags defense. He was shot out of a cannon. It was a great strip sack. And I can't wait to see what else that he brings us this season. Yeah, we highlighted him in the offseason. He was a fifth-round pick out of Texas A&M. He got some really quality uh, playing time as well, but was injured a a couple of times during both our offseason as well as at Texas A&M, which is probably part of the reason why he dropped to the trap, but was originally looking at more of a second- or third-round guy. So agree with you, Joey. He certainly jumped off uh, of the screen. Uh, mine, mine, which I'll probably steal Jax because he'll probably give it, a, give it to him as well. I'll go to Evan Ingram, 11 catches, 95 yards, uh, two touchdowns in this game. So that's three in the last two weeks for Evan Ingram. And it's against the number one defense against tight ends. We broke it down. The fact that the tight ends, uh, Cleveland's done a fantastic job this season, covering them, shutting them down. And they played against some of the, the best tight ends in the league. And so that was extremely impressive for from his performance and really one of the few bright spots on the entire team uh, on Sunday. 
I have no one else to give a game ball to now. Antonio Johnson was fantastic. He was the only guy that apparently showed up for our secondary. He had that strip sack. He held the opposing receiver to 0 for 4 against him. He had a huge breakup on Amari Cooper, which, you know, like, oh, only four passes. Well, it felt like everybody else was, was given free passes anyway. So that was at least a bright spot. And Doug Pearson did call him out in the press conference as well. And then, yeah, other than Evan Ingram, I don't really know who to highlight on the offense. So I think you guys got the only two guys worthy of game balls. And so here's the the debate of today. We posted this on Twitter X right after the loss and was almost a 50-50 split with about 120 votes. So here's the question for you guys. Who deserves more of the loss on Sunday, the Jaguars offense or the Jaguars defense? I'll take this one first off, uh, and I'm going to go a little more specific, and I'm blaming two specific people, and that's Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley. Man, oh man, was their effort poor. They had nine catches between both of them, over 27 targets. Uh, Watching them, they're like from the TV and at the game, you could tell that they were not going at 100%. Uh, not running routes, running the wrong routes. Calvin Ridley getting yelled at at, by Trevor Lawrence to turn around because that's where his first interception, he threw it right where Calvin Ridley was supposed to be. But it was obvious that Calvin Ridley was not on the same page, ran right past it, didn't even look at Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Zay Jones uh, had the ability to catch a wide open touchdown bomb, but uh, missed it. And then you could just tell that they weren't, there at that game i don't know what was going on but that was some piss poor effort by those two main wide receivers they're supposed to be our number one and number two it was just a sad performance and i'm really starting to question if calvin really even wants to be on this team joey's coming around to what i said about a month ago where i don't think that the jaguars should resign him And honestly, this is my even hotter take that's probably too extreme, but this is how I feel right now because also felt like that interception that Trevor overthrew Ridley on the bomb on that go route. Calvin Ridley didn't even really go for the ball. You've got to play defender. If it's too far, you've got to not let them get an interception there. And I think if Christian Kirk was on the field and healthy, which he's not, he's on IR, but I think there would be a real discussion about whether or not you would bench Calvin Ridley because and, and trot out there Christian Kirk trot out there Parker Washington at the one and two and maybe you throw Ridley in at three let him and, and Zay Jones fight it out for the third spot the optimistic side of looking at this is that Zay Jones had re-injured his knee twice this year and most doctors that were talking about his injury were saying that there should be some lag effects for the first couple of weeks of him playing And so I agree with you, Joey. I felt like Zay Jones was not 100%. We've seen him quicker. We've seen him better. It felt like he could get almost no separation, and Trevor was being forced to fit dimes in there, especially to him. Um, Calvin Ridley, I mean, this is is multiple times. I mean, honestly, look, here's here's the reality of the situation. The offense is is what it is at this point. We keep thinking there's going to be another switch, but there's not. It's been 14 games now. Um, Excuse me, it's been 13 games now. And you are who you are. And and so we probably have seen some of the peak performances against the Colts, against Houston the second time, against some of these teams where it still felt clunky at times. But I think that's just who we are. That is 
That is our quote-unquote best offense there. We still scored 27 points, even though two of those were gifted by uh, setups by the defense. And then the defense on the flip side, this is kind of what the fears were at the beginning of the year. Joe Flacco is not mobile. Joe Flacco is, is playing behind three injured offensive linemen for Cleveland. And outside of Josh Allen, there's almost no pass rush created unless we're sending Antonio Johnson or, or one of the other safeties in on a blitz. And, and the fact that we could only get Joe Flacco sacked one time is terrible. And, and it's putting our, our secondary on blast every single game. It's ridiculous. What do cornerbacks Gardner Minshew, Josh Allen, CJ Stroud, Browning, Flacco, Purdy, Carr, and Mahomes all have in common this season? Anybody, any guesses? They, they all threw for over the 300 yards against there us. There you go. You guys crushed it. It's exactly right. Technically, Purdy only threw for 296, but I threw him in there because Sam Darnold got six more yards for them. But yeah, all, all of those quarterbacks, I mean, that's that's over half the games our defense plays. They give up 300 yards, and it's a mixture of mediocre back-end play on top of blown missed assignments on top of bad pass rush. All right, JT, I'm going to make you pick. Because I think, Joey, would you say that your more blame falls on the offense? Yes, I, I'm uh, more on the offense because we win this game without those four turnovers. We scored 27 points with four turnovers. If you just don't have those turnovers, if you're able to score a touchdown on the Calvin Ridley interception where it was, what, around like the 15 to 10-yard line, you don't fumble it on the opposite uh, end zone uh, by Parker Washington, and you win this game. It wouldn't have been pretty. It would have been a high-scoring game, but we would have won without those turnovers, so I blame the offense more than the defense. I, I don't fully disagree with you, Joey. Part of me is like I, it truly was a team loss in a lot of ways. Um, I, I'll take the defensive side of the ball because you're starting against Joe Flacco, who was a bum on the street three weeks ago. He's also 100 years old, uh, and he's prone to being sacked in, in interceptions because that's kind of what he was known for in the tail end of his career. And we give up a 1,000 yards. We have three blown assignments. Honestly, it reminds me of watching the Gators play where it feels like down to down, okay, we're doing okay, but then you just have these back-breaking 30, 40, 50-yard plays that, that are just soul-crushing, and they go for wide-open touchdowns. David Njoku had two wide-open touchdowns, and then you give a, David Bell on a fourth and three a wide-open 41-yard touchdown. It, it felt like watching the Gators where, you know what, down to down, pretty good. We only held them to um, 80 yards rushing. Jerome Ford, 51 yards. That was kind of the, the key number Joey gave for us, and we, we did all of that. And outside of the, the big plays – yeah, man, it's just frustrating uh, giving up 31 points to a very mediocre Browns offense. Yeah, I've gone back and forth the the past two days. I think there's so much to blame on both sides. and But ultimately, I land on the defense being the number one culprit because think about our predictions going in. Now, granted, we weren't sure if Trevor was going to be 100%, but we thought for sure this was going to be a defensive battle. Cleveland has, going into this game, the number one defense in the league in a ton of categories, especially in the pass defense area. And so 
for our offense to score 27 points. Now, some of them were off turnovers, but still to score over 20 points and to not win. Hey, all of us thought that the Browns at most were going to get somewhere in the teens. Maybe even our defense was going to show up. But now you're talking about back-to-back games, over 30 points, back-to-back games, backup quarterbacks go for over 300 yards. The defense deserves a ton of the blame to me. But yeah, the offense was horrible too. To, to, to back up the defense really quick, with those four turnovers, you're giving the Browns really good field position. It's not like they went down and drove the ball from their 20 all the way into our end zone. We gave them the ball on uh, our own 20. Uh, we gave them the ball at the 50 like two to three times. So they were only having to go about half the field uh, quite a few times. So I, I don't fully blame the defense. And they came out the second half a lot faster and they got three turnovers. And that's when the game started to turn back towards us is when we started getting those turnovers. I think the defense started off slow, but I thought they came back and, and did much better in the second half. So that's why I didn't go defense. Yeah, again, fair, but either way, it, it did not end up the way we wanted it to, which was extremely frustrating. Um, and so let's let's take a little, a little bit deeper dive into the offensive performance. Joey, you said that was the main culprit. And look, in, in a lot of ways, I don't disagree with you because you start your first six possessions, five punts and one interception. You had nine possessions in the first half and you score one touchdown. It, for, for for reference, most teams' percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, the best defense is actually the Browns in, in that category. But even them is, is about one out of every four, one out of every three, a little over 25% for the Browns of uh, their defense would give up a, a touchdown on those cases. And it's been a season where we've been able to get out to fast starts we really just couldn't get out of our own way. Three plays, six plays, three plays, five plays. What was really going on in that first half, you guys, that where we got bogged down? I'm not fully sure. Uh, I mean, we obviously could not run the ball. We already had a, a miserable offensive line. And then with all of the injuries, it just made it even worse. Ezra Cleveland went out and he was the only bright spot that we had for a little bit. Blake Hance was just absolutely demolished by miles garrett which it, it's just kind of yeah, can you unfair. can you blame him though he, he's out of position you're going against probably the defensive player of the year that was a night and he got away with some bad holds too because he got outplayed about every play against garrett oh yeah no i and that's what i was just about to say is that he's our fourth string left tackle so i mean i'm not blaming him completely but watching him just ride on the back of miles garrett the entire time it, it was really bad i mean we every time uh we handed it off it was for like a negative four or a negative two yard run we weren't running the ball at all so that made us a one-dimensional offense and we have a wide receiver who i'm not even sure if he's reading his playbooks we're in week 13 and we're still having communication issues with calvin ridley and trevor lawrence it's just really sad Calvin really hasn't missed a game so it's not like oh he's had injuries or anything like that he has now been playing for 13 games and he is still not running the right routes he's still not giving 100% effort it's really bad it is time to let go of Calvin Ridley we're walking away from him 
and go get a guy that actually meshes with travel. Go get uh, T Higgins. Yes. Re reconnect him with the, uh, if you're going to end up spending a lot of money on a wide receiver anyways, go get T Higgins and reconnect him with Trevor's boy from college. That's what I was about to say. Trevor seems the best when he has wide receivers that he has chemistry with. And there is yep. 0% chemistry between him and Calvin Ridley. This experiment, unfortunately, did not work. I don't hate that we tried it, but it, it's just not working. He doesn't fit with this team. He does not give the effort. It's just really, really kind of sad to have all that talent and then not put in the work. It's It's just sad. Yeah, that's a great point, Joey. And that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence said after the game. They asked him about especially the interception because to me this was the crippling play for the offense because we're down 14-7. to We've scored that touchdown. We've unlocked Evan Ingram in the red zone, and we're finally getting a drive going. We're somewhere about their 20-yard line, and it's a break pass that Trevor throws it, and it's really a perfectly thrown ball. Calvin Ridley just never looks, and that's rule number one of you always look for the ball, and Trevor Lawrence says after the game, hey, yeah, what you said, Joey, we're week 13. It's too late in the season to be using the excuses of we're trying to get on the same page. That's just inexcusable for him to not run that route because if we go and score that touchdown, it's 14 to 14 and a half. We get the ball starting the second half, and we finally have momentum in a game that we never even led. We were either tied or trailing the entire 60 minutes. So Calvin Ridley, to me, deserves a ton of the blame and not being able to run the ball. I don't know. Other than Evan Ingram, and yes, JT, I appreciated your point earlier of Trevor Lawrence. To me, that was incredible what he did to go out and yeah. play on a high ankle sprain, to go out and, and make some plays where he he used his legs, this guy gives 110%. And so I hate when you see a guy like Calvin really not give 100%. You got to, that is terrible, terrible. So here's, here's the optimistic side. And, and I feel very confident saying this definitively. Trevor Lawrence will be a Super Bowl quarterback. The dude's a winner. The dude won in college. The dude won in high school. I think there was one stat where he hadn't lost a game on Saturday for uh, for his entire career until we lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, the guy's a champion. He he conducts himself great. He he puts he's he's a leader. He will be a Super Bowl winner. Will that be with the Jags or will that be the Matt Stafford or will he be Matt Stafford with the Lions for a decade and then go win somewhere else? I don't know. Hopefully, it's with the Jaguars. But right now, we're not doing a whole lot around him. And I think that's part of the other indictment about this offense, too, is just the team construction. We, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, we'll we'll whoa, talk whoa. about we're, the... We're not getting rid of Trevor Lawrence here. What are you talking about? I'm not saying we will, but I'm saying he, he will be good enough. But if if we could go the next eight years without score, without winning it, and then, you know what? He ends up going over to the Rams or end up going to the Cowboys and ends up winning... Uh, just like Stafford did after spending seven or eight seasons with the Rams. Obviously, we're going to sign him to a ton of money. Obviously, we're going to to try to make that work in Jacksonville. But I don't know. Maybe it's the pessimistic side of me. He's like, when is it ever going to happen for the Jaguars? But that dude is a baller. He's a winner. Yes, there were some of the interceptions were probably his fault. Some of it was him just trying to get rid of the ball super quick, considering uh, the bad offensive line, considering he didn't want to get hit. Uh, maybe C.J. Beathard doesn't necessarily take those risks, but zooming out of the game, the fact that he was willing to come out and play this game, the dude's a champion.
No, you, I mean, you're you're correct. He is absolute champion. I couldn't believe that he was already out there. High ankle sprain. You're normally out three to six weeks, and he was already back on a short week uh, playing, and it didn't seem to bother him that much. I thought maybe a little bit uh, you could see it on his deep throws. They weren't yes. quite as uh, pinpoint as they normally are. Uh, so I didn't like that uh, Press Taylor was having him take big, long shots. With those long throws, you really got to push off that back ankle and that ankle's hurt. So I would have rather him do a lot more kind of immediate to short uh, yardage. Uh, but that's on the, the the play caller. Press Taylor thought that uh, we needed to take shots, which I don't hate either. Uh, we spent the first part of the season not taking shots. So I'm not going to sit here and complain about taking shots. It's just I wish that we had been a little more strategic with it, with him being hurt, not taking too many risks down the field. To be fair, it was also really windy. So some of those long balls were either a little bit short or a little bit long. I mean, you saw a punt. I think the, the Browns guy hit a 70-yard punt at one point against us. So the wind definitely was a factor in that game. Oh, that Cleveland punter was insane. I was like, if I could give a uh, game ball to the other team, it'd go to their punter. Uh, yeah, he was incredible. Okay, I'm going to take off my realist hat for a minute and put on my optimist hat because this is, and I tweeted this out earlier, I feel like this would be the most Jacksonville Jaguars thing to do would be to lose these two games to backup quarterbacks you're supposed to win and then to go put on a show Sunday night football, beat the Ravens, and then go struggle against some of the easy games at the end. Uh, but I will say, you know, what What do you build on from here? I think number one, without a doubt, the, the best thing is you've unlocked Evan Ingram in the end zone. After going 11 weeks with zero touchdowns in the last two weeks, he now has three touchdowns, ties the number he had last year. And I think it's clear that he is, other than Parker Washington, the only guy where you can throw that ball up and he'll go get it. And I think you need to run more plays, honestly, for both these guys, where you throw it up and let them go get the ball because both of them are gamers. In fact, I saw this stat now. Trevor Lawrence's QB rating when targeting Parker Washington is the highest of any Jaguars. It's over 150. Now, is some of that inflated? Sure. But still, he's also got back-to-back -to -back touchdowns in these two games. So that is the good news. The other good news is I think your offense will get better, hopefully, when Christian Kirk comes back. But they've got to figure it out before he gets back because he still is on IR and we still don't have him a couple more weeks. So. But I love what I saw. Evan Ingram was fantastic, caught almost every pass, all but one of the 12 targets to him. And I thought Parker Washington was very good. And honestly, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but I didn't hate the fumble. The fumble hurt really bad, but I love the fact that he was hustling, that he was fighting for extra yardage, that he was giving 110% on that play. You said it, Jack. Uh, right there, you want to know why Parker Washington has that great passer rating with Trevor Lawrence and is playing well? I'll tell you, it's effort. Look at the catch uh, touchdown that he had against the Bengals. That is an effort play. The ball's been tipped by the defender. It's bobbling around, and he is making the effort to go up, still get it, 
concentrate and come down inbounds with it. That is all effort. He's the only player on his touchdown last game against the Browns uh, to actually run a route to realize that it's uh, most likely would have been an offsides, but they didn't call it, but to run a route and go after the ball. That is effort. Look at Calvin Ridley during that play. He doesn't even run a route. He turns around and starts talking to the refs. That's the difference between Parker Washington and Calvin Ridley. One guy giving 110 effort and someone giving 0% effort. Get Calvin Ridley off the field. I don't even care. Put Elijah Cooks on there. Get a rookie out there. Someone who's willing to give 110% effort. Because that's what Trevor Lawrence needs. That's what the Jaguars need. And I'm tired of watching someone not give all their effort and run the wrong routes. Coach Herb Brooks from the Miracle Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone, and that is Calvin Ridley. He doesn't have enough talent to coast. That's without a doubt, and he's been coasting. And if someone like Parker Washington is going to come in and work hard, give 110%, looks great after being injured for a vast majority of the season, it's time to give Parker Washington the 13 targets in a game and Calvin Ridley the three targets. Yeah, you. if you watch a lot of the film, too, watch when a play breaks down. Parker Washington, Christian Kirk did this, too, um, will we'll find an open spot in the middle of the field. If a play breaks down, it's almost always going to, usually Christian Kirk, but now it's starting to be Parker Washington. Zay, uh, Zay Jones hasn't been on the field enough to really see it. But um, Calvin Ridley, I agree. He will run his route and then he's done. He's not going to come. He's not going to work his way back to the quarterback. He's not really doing a lot of things to, to find ways to get open. And he certainly does not deserve a top five type of a bag that I think he's hoping for at the end of the season. And so with one final thought on the offense before we shift to the defense, I thought all things considered, the offensive line played okay. Miles Garrett said at the end of the game that there's a ton of, of holdings and illegal hands to the face that were missed. And that's probably true. Uh, we did get fortunate not to get hit. And just to clean up something I said at the beginning, I said they were one of nine for the first uh, nine possessions in the half, which is true. But then we come out in the second half, go fumble and punt um, our immediately two next drives. So we're looking at one out of 11 on offense. When we're a top 10 offensive scoring uh, about every 35 to 40% of our drive. So there's certainly going to be some mean regression there. And you can't play as bad as the offense played uh, on on Sunday down the stretch and and hope to win very many games. Ouch. That stat right there makes me switch my answer earlier. I'm going to say... You go one for 11. I don't care if you're playing the number one defense to not score any points and have multiple turnovers. I'm switching my answer and I'm saying that the offense were were the major culprits, the most to blame in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually a little more clear when you look at it and discuss it that it was the offense. Uh, And what I want to see for the rest of the season is our number one weapon right now on offense is Evan Ingram, as we have discussed has over 700 yards already, three touchdowns. He catches everything that's thrown to him. uh, And him and Trevor really do seem to be on a really good page. We really throw kind of short, medium passes to him. I'm saying let's open him up, start throwing it deep. I love that we're starting to look at him in the end zone, and he's proven that he will get in the end zone if you throw it to him. So we need to start ramping up his targets and start 
drawing up plays just for Evan Ingram. If we want to get this offense running again and just stop throwing it to Calvin Ridley, please. Yes, sir. Jump on the Evan Ingram bandwagon with me all the way. He's still got a shot at a thousand yards, which would be an incredible accomplishment for him personally. But yes, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. And this one was certainly much more hot and cold. So you give up 31 points, but you also have an offense that gave them great field position a lot on four four turnovers. And you do cause three turnovers from the Jaguars defensive perspective. And you have some good stats, but I want to hear from y'all. What was your overall thoughts on the Jaguars defense performance on Sunday? What went right? Let's start there. What went right for the Jaguars defense? I think what went right is you had a lot of three and outs that they were able to force a lot of plays where, I mean, if you, if you could just take out three plays, it's a complete domination by the defense, which is a little bit frustrating because of, of what the scoreboard is. But the reality is they played really well down to down. I would love to see what the down to down metric was because they had to be one of the better ones um, in the league on Sunday. Um, they, 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 they bottled up the run, which we talked about, And I think one of the other things, too, is it felt like Browning and the Bengals could do whatever they wanted. They're marching down the field. And even in uh, possessions where he did get a stop, it felt like we were getting lucky or they they started on the 10 and they went 50 yards and still had to punt. Um, This time, for the most part, 85% of the plays, the Jaguars defense looked good to great. But it was that bottom 15% of the plays, and it was some critical plays at critical times, uh, which really just doesn't sit well the thing that they got right is they finally started to get back to uh getting some turnovers and that's when you saw the defense actually start to come back alive this is a team that feeds off of turnovers you saw it at the beginning of the season it brings the energy it brings the life back to the defense people start to hit harder cover tighter it it just brings to life this defense and you see when they go into a turnover lull uh they don't play very well and they don't play very strongly so getting back to those turnovers three turnovers is really good and they got to keep on it they got to be aggressive and they got to keep going after those turnovers because that's the only thing that gives this defense life yeah the turnovers were huge and the other stat that jumped out to me was that the defense was fantastic on third down. We hold them to four out of 18, so less than 25% of the time the Browns were converting on third down. But JT, you said three plays killed us. Well, what were the Browns on fourth down? They were three for three. And so I've been loving the defense, loving how clutch they've been all season. This was a game, unfortunately, that specifically on fourth down, they just were not clutch. In fact, Two of those fourth down conversions were 20 and a 40-yard touchdown play. And so both those were backbreaking. But the things to love, the turnovers were great. Darius Williams with his fourth interception leading the team. Joey, you called out Antonio Johnson's strip sack picked up by Ledbetter. And then another forced fumble by Wingard and Devin Lloyd picked it up. And each of those were in some big moments, too. So I have more hope for the defense going into the Ravens game, but I also have a lot of fears for the defense going up against a very explosive offense next week. But that we'll cover that in our preview episode. Yeah, and we talked about what went well with the defense. I can tell you what went wrong with the defense, and 
uh, one specific area, and it was a really bad area, and that was the play-action pass. Foyer, Luicon, and Devin Lloyd, you could tell they were selling out to stop the run, and they bit hard on these play-action passes, and they weren't able to get to Joe Flacco, and that's how you had wide-open wide receivers because they were obviously thinking run on these fourth downs and these third downs. They sell out, and Joe Flacco just flicks it over the top of them. The play-action killed our defense. And that, I well, I think Joe Flacco at one point was eight for eight on play action and had like 160 yards and a touchdown. Uh, play action was really killer for this defense and during this game. 100%. And those completions were right over the middle. That's why you saw in Joku have a monster game, six catches, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Even though he only had one touchdown going into the game, we were talking about guys to watch out for. And I don't even know that we necessarily mentioned him because he had had a quiet season and he looked unstoppable out there on Sunday. But I agree, the linebackers were very weak in coverage. Now, the defensive backs had a ton of injuries, but I also thought our starting safeties were particularly bad in coverage too. Cisco had a lot of misses and Jenkins, he was really bad especially in coverage so that those were the two that really were frustrating to me because it's not like hey you got your third or fourth these are our starting guys looking really bad and and joe flacco just torching them and you couple that with almost no pass rush again we talked about that they were missing three offensive linemen and joe flacco oftentimes is just a statue and so the fact that you got one sack and that was a blitz from a nickel corner like that's super frustrating, I I think. And so that coupled with some some mediocre play to bad play on the back end and some just gigantic breakdowns and communications with some wide open guys. Honestly, it just reminded me of like the old Jaguars. This is the old Jaguars where they get no pass rush, they leave the tight ends wide open, they 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 jump off sides on critical down and distances. And then just at the highest of leverage uh, plays, they just give up. They give up a 41 yard touchdown to David Bell. That, that it felt like watching the Jaguars from, I don't know, any, any year outside of 2017, the last 10 years. I have a question for y'all. Cause I agree hundred percent. What would we say in the off season? It was, you know, coverage over the middle and pass rush. Those are our two big problem areas. And those were terrible on Sunday. How much of, the defensive struggles, do you count towards execution? And how much do you count towards lack of depth, lack of playmakers on defense, especially when you look at the draft where we go the first three rounds or all offense, and then our fourth-round pick, Ventrell Miller, has been out for the season with injury. How much of the defensive struggles do you put on building the right team versus the execution of the players themselves? A certain I 80% building the right team. I mean, we t- everybody and their brother talked about in the offseason, why don't we get a pass rusher? You know what? It'd be great. Our, our defensive line's not that bad. All we need is Jadavian Clowney and maybe one other rotational guy, and it's completely fixed. We're not saying you needed to like go do like some overhaul, a huge trade. He was available. He was cheap. He's he's aging and he and he's got what seven, eight sacks for Baltimore this year. Um, and then you're you're exactly right. The the, the front eleven, the starting eleven are fine. Most of them, some are plus, but most of them are fine. Like Trey Herndon's not anything special, but 
Like he's significantly better than Gregory Jr. I, I think uh, an area to improve is I don't really need to see Gregory Jr. out there. He had 32 snaps on uh, against the Browns and Antonio Johnson only had 20. I'd like to see that number go up for him. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's absolutely the the roster configuration because at the end of the day, you could have drafted one of the Jag bros as your second and third round picks and gotten the same amount of return from those investments thus far this year. I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me in. If you're listening, grab your gear, be a Jaguar stadium practice because yeah, especially with the injuries, we may need some of y'all to uh, suit up for the Jaguar secondary. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to go that far. People love to hate on Britton Strange. It is difficult to be a blocking tight end. You get no recognition. He's not even a good blocking tight end. He, he is. The one. He, he's the one. He's that... been out for the last two games. And what did we? We lost the last two games. So I really okay. think that's a, a, a clear sign that he's actually a lot better than we're thinking. He he's is amazing on the offense. He's a, I'm not saying he, he's he amazing. Plays, he plays on average 20 to 25 snaps a game. He plays about 25%. And oh, by the way, that also includes special teams. And so like, he's not, he's uh, like Luke Farrell is playing significantly more time than he is. And you're looking and seeing all these other rookie Titans dominate um, Sam Laporta, even Musgrove from Green Bay, uh, Mayer and uh, the guy for Dallas, all those tight Kincaid. So many great tight ends, and we got the guy who's done absolutely nothing this far this year. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. You and every Jags fan have some critical thought here, all right? Just go with me. All those tight ends that you just mentioned are the first string tight ends, so they're getting target. Why and is he still behind Luke Farrell? If he's so good, then why can't he even be number two tight end on a team where we drafted Luke Farrell, what, the seventh round a couple years ago, sixth round a couple years ago? I, I, I get that. I, I don't know why that we, we play Luke Farrell more than Britton Strange. I, I think Britton Strange is better. No, he's not. He's not. Britton Strange has not dropped a ball. He has a touchdown. He's, he's, he's got, he's got three, three catches. <laughs> exactly. Well, those are his targets. You That's fair. It'd be one thing if he's out there dropping the ball, not running routes like Calvin Ridley, but he has no targets. Now, if you're sitting there and you're like, he's got 20 targets and three catches, then yes, he stinks. But he has three targets. He has three catches. He has a touchdown. Like, he's doing what he is asked to be done. That's not his fault. That's the coaching's fault. That's Trevor Lawrence looking for him fault. That's not his fault. And the only reason we drafted him was because we weren't sure if Evan Ingram was going to be on our team. And everyone was over here acting like, oh, we drafted him. Why isn't he starting? Well, we didn't know if we we're going to have Evan Ingram and we didn't want Luke Farrell to be our starter. So we went out and drafted a tight end and then we signed Evan Ingram. So we didn't really need him as much. So we're developing him. Eventually, Evan Ingram may become too expensive or Luke Farrell is not going to play so well, so you move him to second string next year. So give the guy a break. It'd be really nice if we had Osiris Torrance right now. I'm pretty sure we could have used him over uh, over Sheriff this year, or even the left guard, which has been a revolving door thus far. Yes, that's true, but we didn't know uh, that we were going to have those issues. The only thing we knew going into the draft is that Evan Ingram still is not on this team yet. So you have to go and fill that position of the things that you do not know. You can't be like, oh, uh, Sheriff may not play well, so we should go get another guard. 
we didn't know if he was going to play well or not. That's something that you didn't know until you got into the season. So, like, it's not that bad of a pick. Now, the real problem, let's get back to the defense, is I do think a little bit of it is depth. Because Hamilton is not the same Hamilton that was happening last year and during the offseason. Whatever injury he had that the Jaguars won't tell us what he had, uh, he's not the same person. He's getting pushed around, offensive linemen, tight ends, wide receivers can even block him right now. Like, it's kind of sad. Tyson Campbell's not the same. If we had what he played last year, that would be a huge difference. Cisco is in and out. He's not playing at 100%. He's really being missed. You're just missing a lot. And Trey Herndon, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but we miss him a heck of a lot. Gregory Jr. has stunk since uh, going in. And then it took them a while until they put Antonio Johnson out there. And we realized, oh, wait, Antonio Johnson's actually a really good nickel corner. Who said that he wasn't going to be a nickel corner? Oh, right. That was the Jaguars coaches said we didn't draft him to be a nickel corner. Well, y'all are idiots they also didn't want to put darian williams out at outside corner when he's our best outside corner they're not making smart decisions on our defensive personnel so whoever's in charge of defensive personnel is not smart they keep making trayvon walker a rusher he's not a rusher you need to move him inside because he's a run stopper he's not a rusher he he, he failed during this game he (laughs) failed during all the other games he's not a rusher you got to move him inside make him gain a little weight and you go out and get another rusher whoever's in charge of putting players in their positions is just wrong he's putting joey okay i I don't disagree with you and i bet you if you were sitting here talking to defensive uh coach they would also agree with you so let's say we move him uh inside who are you starting 50 times a game on the outside then? Jason? Dewan Smoot for right now, but Smoot uh, doesn't have the longevity. Smoot doesn't have the ability to start that many. He's starting about 27% of snaps, which probably means he's not in shape. I understand. Uh, so, well, Trayvon Walker, you, you, you can't do that this year, obviously. I'm talking about next year. And, and everyone they may also do that. said everyone said this at the beginning of the season. That's why I'm pissed off, is everyone said. We don't think he's a rusher. You need to move him inside. Go get another rusher. And no one listened to him. They're like, oh, he's developing. He's going to be a breakout season. Well, he's got one more sack than he did last year. Maybe one more the season. The way he's playing right now, maybe. Yeah. Here's my problem. I think it's a lot of this is recency bias. Look, I was saying in the beginning of the episode that this is on the Jaguars defense. But it's easy in the NFL to forget that just weeks ago, we were praising Mike Caldwell for having the defense overachieve in every way. And the reality is there has been a ton of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. So while I am frustrated, I wish that we would blitz more because we're not getting any pass rush, especially from the interior. But I just don't think moving Trayvon Walker to the inside is the solution. For one, he's too small. He was clearly drafted as a rush, as a pass rush guy. And again, if he gets two more sacks, you're talking about doubling the sack total from last year to this year. He's clearly taken a next step. Is he where we wanted him to be? No. But would I rather have Aiden Hutchinson? A million times, yes. The reality is if he keeps taking steps forward, he's going to start becoming a double-digit sack guy that and a run stop guy, which what more could you want from a number one overall pick? So I get the frustration. The defense was terrible, but I think a lot of this is 
recency bias of moving different pieces around. And part of the reason he's got to be so flexible is, again, because there's so many injuries. Just look at the injury report on the Jaguars right now. It's, you know, you're reading forever. Yeah, but I promise you, promise you, Trayvon Walker will never hit double-digit sacks until he learns how to actually be a pass rusher and have some pass rushing moves. He has one move and it's called power. He bull rushes and he just tries to overpower an offensive tackle. Guess what? You're in the NFL. You're not going to overpower the offensive tackle. Maybe once a game you can get away with one, but it's just not the way you rush. Watch Josh Allen. He avoids the tackle. You rip you turn, you move your hands around, get his hands off of you. The whole point is to not get blocked. And we have our defensive line running straight into the offensive line. They're saying, please block me. I want to be blocked. I don't want to actually rush the quarterback. That is our defensive line right now. I showed you video of every single defensive lineman running straight into the offensive line. That is not how you play defensive line. And it is sad to watch an NFL team do that. No good defense alignment sits there and lets them get blocked. The whole point is to get off of your blocks, and it's disgusting and it's sad. Woo! Yeah, he is fired up. the The reality is, I, I don't know the exact number, but from the interior defense line, I don't know that we have more than one sack. Maybe a second sack, which I would guess if that's not last, it's got to be second or third to last. With Trayvon Walker, I also agree with you, Joey, that he's really only got one move. But to me, that means you've got to develop that. That doesn't mean you necessarily need to switch positions because, hey, you're going to still use that power position. But this time you're undersized going up against the interior offensive line. So it's going to work even less. I like what I've seen from Trayvon Walker. He's not where I certainly would hope he would be as a number one overall pick. But what I'm seeing is improvement. And he's still 22, 23 years old. If you keep getting better, if you keep developing, hey, if you keep learning from Josh Allen, you're going to get a lot better. Yeah, and he was better than Tyson Alawalu. I get slightly different positions. He's also 22. But Tyson Alawalu maxed out at his entire career was four sacks, was the most he'd ever gotten in an entire season. Trayvon already has five, and, and we're only uh, three quarters of the way done. And so... Um, look, the, the defense did not play great. The defense left a lot of opportunities on the field, especially some of those big breakdown plays. And what hurts is it wasn't just like, oh, man, we missed that, that guy. But it was maximum pain where you go 41 yards into the end zone, 34 yards into the end zone, 20 yards into the end zone. It almost feels like if we could have just tackled um, one or two of those guys, like they're not going to score a touchdown every time because their offense was really not that great down to down. So that, I think, is the unfortunate thing. And you know what? Hopefully we, we see some better improvement in the uh, game against the the Ravens here on Sunday night. Yeah, the um, the defense and the offense, I think they may need to travel to London and come back before this game because they're not on the same page. They're not cohesive. It looked as clunky as it did against Houston. Wide receivers not knowing what to do defensive players in the wrong spot having big blow-up plays they need to do whatever they did when they flew over to london band back together and start playing as a team and get a rally going before the playoffs because if we keep this clunkiness all the way to the playoffs it's not going to change once you get to the playoffs it needs to change now 
So somehow they need to bring this team together and start playing as a team because the clunkiness and miscommunications cannot happen anymore. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, Joey, I I, I think this is a point of identity. So the Jaguars have four games left and someone asked Coach Peterson after the game, you know, is that enough time to build momentum into playoffs? Of course. That's plenty of time. That's a quarter of the season. But this is the question. Who are the real Jaguars? Are they the team that went on that five-game win streak going into the bye and led almost every point of every game? Since the bye, they're 2-3 and with a blowout loss at home and now back-to-back losses to backup quarterbacks. Who are they? And I think these next four games, and especially Sunday night against an elite Baltimore Ravens team, this is the point of who are the real Jaguars. That is a good question. Who are the Jaguars? And that's something the players can only answer themselves. We are going to go ahead and start wrapping up this episode. Uh, But the coaches and the players need to get together and figure out Who are we going to be at this last part of the season heading into the playoffs? Are we a team that's going to finish strong, hold on to our division lead, and go into the playoffs with some momentum and some confidence? Or are we a sputtering team that makes mistakes? We may win some, but we're also going to lose some, and we may even get blown out a few times. What team are the Jaguars? So that is a question that's going to need to be answered this week during practice, getting ready for the Ravens game, because this is still a big game. You go out and you beat the number one team in the AFC, people will look at you. You will have the momentum. People will start to talk about the Jaguars again. But you got to get together. I think you can still beat the Ravens. They're gettable. They went to overtime against the Rams. So it isn't out of the question. We supposedly are supposed to play well when we're counted out and our back's against the wall. Let's go see it. I want to see effort, and I definitely want to see effort out of you, Calvin Ridley. I know you're listening, and you need to get your head in the playbook and start learning your routes and actually give some effort. And until then, we aren't going to throw you the ball, hopefully. And with that... Do you...